When it comes to Cincinnati Bearcats football, there are a few men with more knowledge than the man joining me today here on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in. This is another episode of Lockdown Bearcats on a Thursday, August 25th of 2022. We are presented today by LinkedIn Jobs. I'd like to thank them for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Lockdown College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College. Terms and conditions do apply. I'm Alex Frank, your host each and every day. And as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, the man joining me today, you simply know him as the voice of Afternoon Sports Talk on Cincinnati's ESPN 1530. You can also hear him on 700 WLW and Cincinnati Bearcats broadcast as he's been a part of for about 20 years now. He is none other than Mo Egger. Mo, has it been about 20 years since you've started working on Bearcats broadcast? It's been a long time. Uh, 20 years this season. Yeah, started in uh, in 2002. Started with basketball late in the 2002 season. And then uh, the first football season I was a part of was 2002, which was the year they won Conference USA, played in the New Orleans Bowl and lost to North Texas. There aren't a whole lot of people who remember those times, but I do. And that's why I said in the open, there are very few men, anyone with more knowledge about the Cincinnati Bearcats than you, Mo. And I, I want to ask you this to start. Where does this season rank for you as far as highly anticipated seasons that you've been a part of in Bearcats football? Uh, I think I would I would certainly slide it behind last year because, you know, I think last year we were talking about the Bearcats maybe being a college football playoff team before the season started. I think most of us understood how hard that was going to be. First of all, it's tough to win all your games. Second of all, we understood that everything had to fall their way. But I think we viewed last season going in through the lens of this team could be special. They could have one of the best, very best teams in the country. And there was the Notre Dame game, which everybody anticipated. Everybody thought the Bearcats could go to South Bend and win. It turns out they were favored. Obviously, it turns out they won the game. So I don't think anything uh, in, in my experience has ever rivaled the anticipation we had for last year. Um, I, I, I would say that this is right behind it. You know, certainly you could talk about 2008. In 2009, although 2009, even though they went undefeated, uh, there was the expectation that there was going to be of a be a bit of a uh, there was going to be some slippage because of who they lost from the team the previous year. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, the expectations for this program are massive. The expectations for this season are high, and I think that there is a great sense of enthusiasm, not just based on the fact that the Bearcats should be pretty good this year, but also where they're going. The Big 12 is looming. The trajectory of this program is pointed upward, and it feels like for the first time in a while, whatever unfolds this year isn't going to happen with the, the looming threat of the head coach leaving, which is refreshing for a lot of fans. What um, did last year in your eyes, because you've talked about this extensively, you've written about this extensively for The Athletic, what, did you, what do you think last year's playoff run, going to the Big 12, everything that's happening with this football program, what is it doing? for the university and or for the program and the university as a whole. 
Well, I mean, you know, it, everything that happens athletically in college sports happens on the shoulders of football. And look, I love UC basketball more than, than any team that I care about. I became a UC football fan because of how much uh, I love UC basketball. But the reality is, with the exception of schools that don't have football, wherever your athletic department is going, with maybe one or two exceptions, it's going to go on the shoulders of your football program. And so, you know, what you've seen happen here is, first of all, uh, this has always been a good job. This has always been a job that you can win at. This has always been a job that you can find players to play for you. Uh, this is not the program that Tim Murphy and Rick Minner were were, were running in, in the late 80s and 90s. It's a different program, but still, they got the coach right. Um, and then, you know, they've they've really taken advantage of the uh, – the, the fertile ground of, of recruit, the, the fertile recruiting ground in this area. And they've taken advantage of that, gotten a lot of kids to stay home and, and on the shoulders of that and some very good coaching, they've put together some good teams that have energized the fan base. Now on top of that, because of the recent success that they've had, I think it really has that combined with the desire to go to the big 12, I think has compelled everybody to really take a good hard look at, okay, do we need to make sure that football is driving the bus? We've got a successful team. Here's where we want to go with this team that we have, with this program that we have, with this coach that we have, with where we want to go. We're going to have to really emphasize football. And so that means investing in it. It means giving Luke Fickle the practice facilities that he wants. It really means prioritizing football in ways that we didn't see here, even during the Brian Kelly years. And again, that doesn't have to come at the expense of basketball or any other sport. But I think for the first time, you are seeing the university as a whole being driven by its football program. And I don't really think that has ever happened. Even when they've had good teams under Mark D'Antonio or when they've had good teams under Brian Kelly or anybody else, I don't really believe the school's athletic department or the school as a whole was being carried by football. And I do think you could say that that's happening now. Mo Egger from Cincinnati's ESPN 153700 WLW and The Athletic joining me today here on Lockdown Bearcats. So, You've been to a practice this fall out at Camp Hire Ground. What is um, what did you take away? What is your outlook for this upcoming season after losing nine players from last year's playoff team to the NFL draft? Well, they still have a lot of talent, and you know, to me, look, it, it goes without saying they lost a lot. Um, you could watch the NFL draft and 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 arrive at that conclusion, but. You know, look, for, for years we've been talking about Luke's recruiting and seeing how they stack up against teams in the AAC and seeing how they stack up against FBS teams in this region, and they've stacked up pretty favorably. If you've bought into that recruiting hype, if you've bought into those recruiting rankings, then you're not sweating so much the players that you lose. And when you go to higher ground, you see a wealth of, of riches at a number of different positions. I think this offensive line, has a chance to be the best that I can recall in the recent history of, of UC football, and that's saying something. And yet, when I went and watched, they were being pushed around by what could be a really good defensive front. They've got speed and athleticism on the outside, starting with upperclassmen trickling all the way down to guys who probably won't see the field this year in ways that you know three, four years ago you wouldn't have imagined. They're certainly loaded at the tight end position. This could be the deepest backfield they've had in a long time. And look, they've obviously got to replace some, some very key contributors in the secondary, but they can do all of that around Arquan Bush. Uh, the Pace brothers have a chance to be first-team all-AAC players and maybe 
vie for uh, defensive player of the year in the league. The main question, obviously, is who the quarterback is going to be. And look, is there a sauce gardener? Is there a first-round pick? Is there a guy that's going to take away an entire part of the field? Probably not. Are there going to be some some growing pains on offense because of the lack of experience at quarterback in big games like the one they have at Arkansas? Uh, perhaps. We certainly are seeing a continuity disruption for the first time in a long time with a new play caller. But the talent level is still really really good and we knew it would be if you have been following uh what this coaching staff has been doing and recruiting in recent years it's truly been remarkable so i've i asked this question on this podcast earlier this week i don't know if it's going to happen but i'm going to ask you do you think because last year's offense was otherworldly 70 touchdowns 516 points total on the season 6.71 yards per play ninth in the country can this offense, Mo, in your eyes, be as prolific as last year's, even with losing Desmond Ritter, Jerome Ford, and Alec Pierce? I think they can, maybe in ways that you don't measure by statistics. I think the interesting thing for me about this offense, there's two. Number one, uh, do they become a little bit more tight end centric? Now, look, they've got a world of speed on the outside, but you know, when when you're dealing with introducing a new quarterback to the offense. And I know, you know, neither Ben or Evan are new in the way that you sort of associate uh, in, in the ways that you associate with the word new. But I mean, look, when, when you are, um, when you're sort of dealing with the growing pains that comes with, you know, Evan Prater or Ben Bryant, you certainly want a really good tight end. What they did offensively last year, Josh Wiley statistically wasn't as prolific as he was the year before. And so I'm kind of curious from an offensive output, from a statistical output perspective, do we see bigger seasons from Josh and from, from Lenny Taylor? Also, you know, last year, I think if there was one frustration that a lot of us had with the way plays were called, it felt to me at times like there was a little bit of a lack of imagination in the running game where Jerome Ford was certainly capable of breaking long runs. But, you know, there were times where it felt like, you know what, all they do is run it up the middle. I think with the speed they have at that position and with Gino Gadulli calling plays, it's going to be interesting to me to see if we see a little bit more dynamic uh, dimension in the run game. Do they run outside more? Do they take advantage of their speed? Do they take advantage of the different skill sets that some of the guys bring to the table? I don't know if they're going to be as explosive. I don't know if they're going to be as prolific, but they've got NFL talent on that side of the ball. They've got a lot of speed at wide receiver, and they should have a very good offensive line. And so I certainly think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I guess the question will be, what sort of quarterback play do they get? Because, you know, last year at the beginning of the season, you sort of felt like, all right, we can rely on Des Ritter. Here, here's what he's going to bring to the table. And he was even better than advertised because he improved so much as a deep ball passer, I thought. So that to me is the biggest question mark. But in terms of weaponry, in terms of what they should have to block, I think if you're a Bearcat fan, you should feel pretty good about what they have. I remember um, producing your show the day before the season opener last year, and we aired an interview that you did for the pregame show on radio with Desmond Ritter, and you mm -hmm. talked about him improving on the deep ball. And then, Mo, literally the game, second play from scrimmage, Tyler Scott, 81 yards, see you later, touchdown. So – uh, when we after this uh, live remo from LinkedIn, I'm going to ask you about the quarterback battle because it is that elephant in the room. And then I got a Luke Fickle question. And I know people listen to this and be like, well, how do you have a Luke Fickle question? But it is provocative, I think. And 
We'll get to that after a word from LinkedIn. So as you, like the Bearcats, gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. That's what LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. It's simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. The ultimate college football preview is here. It's a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here on Lockdown Bearcats with my guest today, Mo Egger from Cincinnati's ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW. And now the host of a podcast himself, the Mo Egger Podcast, which Mo, by the way, I think is truly fantastic. Um, hmm. That first interview with Paul Doherty was outstanding. Um, you've got one out this week with uh, one of the best sports talk show hosts to ever grace the city of Cincinnati, Andy Furman. And uh, do you have another one coming out later this week? Uh, we do on, uh, I think, either late Thursday or more likely early Friday morning. It'll be non-sports related, so I'm excited for that. Should be a good listen as always. Um, so going back to the Bearcats, um, obviously we know the elephant in this room. It's been that way since basically Desmond Ritter walked off the field in Dallas the night at the Cotton Bowl, and that is who is going to be his successor, Ben Bryant or Evan Prater? Mo, do you... Um, what do you make of the battle? Is the likelihood that Ben Bryant is going to start, is that, you know, 100% valid? Like, what do you make of this quarterback battle? Well, uh, you know, certainly the the word after the, the controlled scrimmage that took the place of the spring game was that uh, Evan Prater had closed the gap that was there when the offseason started, right? Like, it was going to be odds-on favorite Ben and Evan was going to have to to not just close the gap, but compel the coaches to decide that Evan's ready to leapfrog Ben Bryant. And he apparently made a lot of progress during spring ball. I was there at the uh, the controlled scrimmage. I thought Evan looked good throwing the football. I don't know that I've talked to anybody who believes that Evan has had a bad camp. I don't. I know I haven't talked to anybody who believes that he has done enough to overtake Ben Bryant. So. As we sit here today, especially given who and where their opponent is in week one, um, it, it is hard to imagine it's not going to be Ben Bryant the first week. Now, I'll admit to you, I am intrigued by the idea of Evan being the starting quarterback because I remember Desmond Ritter's first year as a starter. And I think this year's team is better than that year's team. 2018 was the year in which they went to US, uh, UCLA. Uh, at the Rose Bowl and won, and Des was on the field for that game, replacing Hayden Moore, and that team ended up finishing with double-digit wins, and they did so. Des had a lot to do with it, but they did so in spite of 
the lack of experience they had at quarterback. I think this team this year is better than that team, which means I believe this team can win games as the quarterback gains experience. And I think they can win games in spite of some of the growing pains that you have to go through when a quarterback doesn't have a lot of experience. And so I've always been intrigued by the idea of Evan being the starter this year, because if you can win games while he gains experience, who knows how that pays off down the road? Look what it did with Des Ritter. He was the offensive player of the year in the conference each of the last two years, I think as a direct result of the experience he gained in 18 and 19. And in those years, UC still won a lot of games. That said, uh, in none of those years uh, was their week one opponent a school the caliber of Arkansas at a place like where they're going to have to go in Fayetteville. And so certainly if you're looking at it through the lens of uh, what do they do week one, what gives them the best chance of winning that first game, I think most would agree it's Ben Bryant. He's got more experience. He did well last year at Eastern Michigan. He's played in a big game for UC before on the road. Uh, I think the other question, though, would be how long is the leash going to be? <clears throat> because Luke Fickle was – and sometimes frustratingly so, Luke Fickle was exceedingly loyal to Des Ritter. There were often times during those first two years where I would say to myself, maybe at halftime, let's give Ben a crack at a couple of series. Or you know what? Maybe it makes sense to see what the other guy could do. And Luke never wavered. Is that going to continue to be the case, regardless of who the quarterback is? And then obviously the other question would be, if it's Ben Bryant, do they carve out a role for Evan Prater given his athletic ability? I tend to think that we overstate their likelihood of doing that, but he certainly gives you a dynamic that maybe Ben doesn't. And, you know, who knows if that's something they uh, want to tap into or not. But I think as we sit here today, it feels like it's going to be Ben. And um, I I'm intrigued by how it's going to unfold, assuming he is the starting quarterback a week from Saturday. I still remember the headline that you wrote in The Athletic after that season over in UCLA. The Luke Fickle era has arrived. And that was because Desmond Ritter came into the game at UCLA. He wouldn't reveal who the quarterback was going to be. You and I were both at his press conference the Tuesday before. He wouldn't reveal who the quarterback was. The depth chart said, Hayden Moore or Desmond Ritter. It's 10-0 UCLA. Ritter comes into the game. I didn't think it was going to do much. And then the trajectory of the program changed for the next four years. Ritter went on to win Rookie of the Year that year. So speaking of Fickle, and he's had otherworldly success at this university. And, I mean, if if there was a, a poll of should a statue be erected outside Nippert Stadium of him, I think the overwhelming majority would say yes. But is there anything that you still want to see, still need to see from him that we haven't yet in his first five seasons? There's nothing that I need to see. I am going to be intrigued. You know, what they had going for them going into last year, uh, there aren't many programs that had enjoyed the success that UC had, had enjoyed the previous three years that brought back the same quarterback, coach, and offensive coordinator. And so, you know, now you have the first real disruption of continuity. It's it's year two for Mike Tressel. But, you know, let's face it, it's a little bit different year two than year one because he was handed the keys to a Ferrari last year <laughs> and basically told not to run it into a guardrail. This year, personnel's a little bit different. I think you'll see this, them do some, some different things schematically. They have a new special teams coordinator. They have a new offensive coordinator. They have a new starting quarterback. And so... You know, it's it's the first real – this is the byproduct of success, right? I mean, you're going to lose guys. 
uh, this is the first real disruption and continuity the program has gone through in a couple of years. But th there's not really a lot that I need to see. They've been the dominant team in this conference for the last couple of years. They've played in the conference championship game in each of the last three. They did last season what no other school in the group of five had ever done. I, I, Luke Fickle's a great coach. Um, look, game to game, you can find any coach in any at any level of the sport where they make a decision in a game that you don't like. That applies to Nick Saban. It applies to Ryan Day. It applies to Bill Belichick. It applies to Zach Taylor. It's going to apply uh, to Luke Fickle. But the way he runs the program, the way the players develop, the recruiting, the ability and willingness to aim high in recruiting, retain a staff, hire good assistants, put together good game plans, set the right mentality for the program. There, there's nothing else I need to see. I mean, I, I think he is one of the very best coaches in all of college football. Again, this year is going to present a unique set of challenges. They haven't had a season opener like this, right? I mean, you, know, you can talk all you want about how the Notre Dame game last year was the biggest non-conference game maybe ever. Guess what? They were favored in that game, and they should have been favored in that game, and they never trailed in that game. The reason why was they're a better team. They're going to go to a very tough environment and play an SEC school. By the way, Cincinnati, the last time they played an SEC school, Arkansas is certainly not Alabama, but the Crimson Tide pushed them around. And so what answer do they have for that? I mean, I think if they were to go there and win that game, in a way, that's that's easily the biggest non-league win of the Luke Fickle era, simply because when they've had to play UCLA, you know, UCLA wasn't very good. When they went to play Notre Dame, they were favored in the game. They're not favored here. They're a seven and a half point underdog. And so, you know, there's that challenge. But regardless of what happens in that game, I don't know how, if you're a UC fan, I don't think there's anything that Luke Fickle at this point has to prove. And and look, the other check, the, the other box that everybody wanted to see checked was, you know, the, the loyalty, the willingness to stay with the program, uh, to put his kids first. Uh, we've seen how that has unfolded. It's not to say that he is going to retire as the head coach at the University of Cincinnati. Surely I do expect him to coach somewhere else one day. And I certainly don't rule out the NFL either. But in, in terms of him as a coach, uh, there's nothing else I need to see. They have one of the best coaches in all of college football. What do you uh, make of Gino Gadulli being promoted? Well, it turns out, as our good friend Justin Williams of The Athletic reported, that he took over play calling duties in the middle of the season last year. Do you think, Mo, like what does that do for this offense this year with now him calling the plays? Well, you know, certainly his work with Des Ritter, which Des talked about effusively, you know, I start there. I, I, I'm not so into, you know, losing my mind over calling plays. I, I tend to think that that aspect of it is is a little bit overrated. To, to me, it's about formulating game plans during the week and developing the individual players, specifically a quarterback. And uh, Gino has had a role in that for the last couple of years. Now, you know, again, we talked about offensively, I would like to see them employ different uh, dimensions in the running game that we haven't seen in recent years. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think it should. I hope it does. And I'm hopeful that it will, but uh, I think it made all the sense in the world. You know, continuity matters. Gino Gadulli has had a chance to be a part of this program for a really long time now. He certainly understands UC football and, and again, was instrumental in, in, in grooming Des Ritter from what he was into a guy who is the, uh, you know, uh, second quarterback taken in this draft. And so I, I think it was a no brainer and I'm excited to see how he's going to do. All right. So after a word from two of our sponsors, I got one question because yeah, the Bearcats are underdogs at Arkansas and rightfully so, but I got one question of if something that's happened the previous two years happens again, 
this season. Plus, then we're going to get into record predictions and one player who will define this team on the field and by final records. Let's pause for a word from two of our sponsors. Locked on Bearcats on a Thursday, August 25th, 2022. Alex Frank, your host each and every day. Mo Egger of Cincinnati's ESPN 1530 and 700. WLW, my guest today. You, of course, can follow him on Twitter, at Mo Egger. So um, here's a question I've asked many different people, and I've asked myself this many times. If Cincinnati were to, and realistically, I don't think they will, but it very well could happen. I don't think we thought they were going to do this last year, and they did. If the Bearcats, Mo, go 13-0 again, this year, knowing they went to the playoff last year, knowing they're going to a Power 5 conference next year, should they get back into the playoff this year as a 13-0 team? Well, I mean, I believe any team that wins all of its games should have a chance to play for a championship. But as we saw last year, much of much of what determines whether or not you do as a group of five school is beyond your control. I, I do not subscribe to the argument that what a school does the previous year should have a bearing on how we judge them in the current year. Uh, seasons are mutually exclusive. Uh, what one team does should have no bearing on what another team does. So I, I am, I am not one that will say, well, look, they, they won all their games last year. See what they No, I'm going to judge them based on how they played this year. And then it's, it's going to be how do things unfold and, and what made last year so special and maybe to a degree so frustrating was, um, that factors beyond Cincinnati's control had to fall Cincinnati's way in order for them to still make the college football playoff. I am not going to bet on the same thing happening again. Um, I think you have to go back to last season and see how likely that it was that all the things that had to happen did happen. Um, but look, g- give me a chance to make the argument. Give me a chance to talk about it. And the only way you do that is by winning all your games. I, I am looking forward to this no longer really being a question. Because once they go to the Big 12, uh, regardless of what happens with the landscape of college football, it probably won't be a question moving forward. So give me one player who you think will define this team on the field and one player who will have the biggest say in their final record this year. Well, I guess the obvious answer would be the quarterback. Uh, I'll start in the backfield, you know, I'll put it on Ryan Montgomery because he's the guy at the top of the depth chart right now. I think this is going to have to be a little bit more of a run centric team. And look, there's, there's obviously other guys as well. We're going to talk a lot about Corey Kiner. We're going to talk about Charles McClellan, but I mean, look, they're, they're replacing a dude who ran for 1300 yards. We're talking about a guy last year who ran for, for 19 uh, touchdowns, a school record, single season school record. Uh, And with, uh, if Ben, (laughs) excuse me, if Ben Bryant's the guy, probably aren't going to have the running ability that we had from Des Ritter at quarterback moving forward. So I'll put it on the backfield and I'll say, I'll say, uh, I'll say Ryan Montgomery. Uh, I I don't love ever really boiling anything down in this sport to one player, but um, I I guess if I have to, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, And then what was the other one? So, I'll go to this question, actually, um, because you kind of answered both with Ryan Montgomery. So, actually, um, the one player who will have the ultimate say in the final record. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Can I make it two guys? Yes. All right. So, UC's defense the last couple of years has been largely predicated upon uh, elite-level play in the secondary 
if I get that from Arquan Bush and Javon Hicks, this defense could be maybe not just as good, but still really, really good. Really, really good. Wow. And that softens, you know, what what you're gonna have to get from from the offense with a, a different quarterback this year. All right. So final question. I'm and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. So what is your record prediction for the Cincinnati Bearcats this year? And then I'll also ask you what your record prediction is for the Bengals this season. <laughs> uh, I've I've got the Bearcats going eleven and one this year. Okay, uh, I think it's hard to pick them to beat Arkansas, and that's in the regular season. So if they go eleven and one, that means they win all their games in the AAC. They'll play in the conference championship game. But I'll just stick to the regular season. I'll go eleven and one. I'm high on this team. I'm high on this coaching staff. Uh, I think whoever the quarterback be is 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 going to have an opportunity behind a good offensive line, a really good running game, some speedy wide receivers, and good tight ends to have some success. I believe in the talent they have on defense. Um, I think the Arkansas game is going to be a little bit of an uphill battle. They don't have to play Houston this year, and I'm not as sold on UCF as others. So yes, they do have to go to Orlando, but I think they win there. I've got them. I'm I'm on the optimistic side of it. I've got them 11 and one and playing in the conference championship game and, and hosting it at, uh, at Nippert stadium. How about that? So we agree on the Bearcats going 11 and one. That's where, that's why I have them. At, and I don't think they're going to beat Arkansas. Now, if they do, okay. You know, then it's on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to give a final record for the Bengals, what would you say right now? I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than most. I think they're going to go 12 and five. I think they, I think this is a two team race in the division. I think it's them and Baltimore. I think Baltimore wins 11 games. I think the Bengals win 12. I know the schedule is going to be a little bit more difficult, but look, I mean, I've got an ascending quarterback behind a better offensive line and a defense that I think could be really, really, really good elite weaponry on offense and a coaching staff that I still feel like is coming into its own. I think the Bengals are going to go 12 and five and win the AFC North. Wow. Um, would I blow your mind if I told you I have them at 15 and two right now? <laughs> I would expect nothing but that Alex. I'm surprised you didn't tell me they were going to go 17 and oh, I don't think they're going to go undefeated, but I, I do believe, like you said, I believe in Joe Burrow. I believe in the offense they have. And I mean, if they were able to do what they did last year with that offensive line, Lord knows what they're going to do. With this offensive, I mean, with this offensive line and the weapons they have and the defense. So, how much fun is it for you to be a sports talk show host in Cincinnati right now? It's a blast. Um, it's always been fun. It's the greatest job in the world. But what what happened in football last year reinvigorated me in in ways that I I, I can't even really describe. Uh, because the losing does, you know, I care about these teams, man. I, I want them to win. I, I don't do this job from the standpoint of objective journalist who's uh, unmoved emotionally by, uh, by how they do. I, I badly want them to win. These are teams I grew up with. And so the losing and the negativity does get to you. And, you know, you, you get to a point where you are starting to really have a hard time mining for different things to talk about when the losing doesn't stop. And so with what both teams did last year, it, it it rejuvenated me personally and professionally. We're now, you know, it's like with the Bengals. We're no longer harping on, can they win a playoff game? We're talking about whether they can win the Super Bowl. That's awesome, man. I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not focused on the draft from the standpoint of, oh, they got to get this guy because he could save the franchise. It's how can they add to a team that's already really good? And the UC conversation for years was solely about, 
why don't people go to games or can they keep the coach or that sort of stuff. And now it's about the games and recruiting and what's happening on the field. And that's why I got into this. That's what I love most about sports. And it's what I enjoy talking about the most. So to what, what the two teams did last year and what the Bearcats have done in recent seasons, obviously has been, um, has been a lot of fun to, to, to talk about daily on the air. And just wait till Wes Miller gets the men's basketball program back to where it belongs. And then we're going to have a lot of fun for a lot of the months throughout the year. Similar to you, Mo, like, I mean, for someone who comes from a family, three generations of Bearcats, three generations of Bengals season ticket holders since the very first season. I mean, for the whole city to rally behind both the Bearcats and the Bengals. I mean, every weekend you had Bearcats on Saturdays and then the Bengals on Sundays. What a blast to be a Cincinnati sports fan mo do me a favor tell taryn bland elliot rearing one of my former co-workers at uh cincinnati uc actually uh dave keaton everybody at iheart tell him i said hello and that i i wish you all well and i look forward to seeing you all to bearcats game Bengals game here soon all right alex thank you mo agar espn 1530 thank you for being on today and also 700 wlw and the athletic what a conversation that was fun uh effort and chris vanini tomorrow for our final uh, preview five different ways. If not that, I'll tell – you know what? I might as well do my season preview. So record prediction, which I may have given away on this show if you were listening, which I'm sure you were. So I'll, I'll rehash it tomorrow um, uh, if Chris Vanini's not able to come on for a group Bearcats group of five preview. But uh, thanks to Mo Egger. Thanks to you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, make it Lockdown Big 12. You can get more on that conference with everyday host Josh Neighbors, good friend of mine, and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big 12 in 30 minutes. Locked On Big 12, your second listen. That's Locked On Big 12. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel, up to 435 subscribers and counting. Follow us, too, to get an alert every time. We drop a new episode. One more season preview to go tomorrow. It will either be a conversation with me and Chris Vanini, excuse me, of the athletic or my season preview, um, which I've kind of touched on offense and defense, but overall season preview. And then game week next week, Monday, a look at the film of Arkansas. What stood out to me Tuesday? Um, what is Tuesday? I wrote this down somewhere. I'll have to uh, get back. I shouldn't know what Tuesday is. Uh, Turning Point Tuesday, turning points of the offseason, how we got to this point. Wednesday, conversation with either Justin Williams of The Athletic or Russ Heltman from uh, All Bearcats, my colleague. Thursday, the crossover with John Neighbors, Locked on Arkansas. And then Friday, uh, game preview. We are here. We are nine days away from the kickoff of the 2022 season in Fayetteville. As always, for Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, truly a great rest of your day. I will talk to you all tomorrow here on Lockdown Bearcats.